Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here this December day, fine December day in Seattle. Great day to take your dog for a walk. Eric, don't you think that as you look out the window? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a little warmer than usual. It's a, it's drier than it's been recently. So. I think I can see the mountains above yeah, we, the clouds, we can see right? some of the mountains yeah. even. Yeah, yeah. Great well, day to take your dog for a walk. Regardless of how old your dog is, and that's a topic of today's show, one of my favorite topics, as you Even know. old dogs like walks. Absolutely. So I've got a great book, and I'm talking with Laura Coffey, who is the author of the book. Laura, welcome to The Dog Show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Now, I didn't realize until this morning, as I was looking up your number to call, that you were local. Yes, I live in Seattle, too. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, and I had seen Old Dog Haven um, post about this book uh, a few weeks ago, because uh, this is a newly uh, newly released book. It's called My Old Dog, Rescued Pets with Remarkable Second Acts, and you and photographer Lori Fusaro have sort of joined forces in this project, inspired by ultimately one old dog. <laughs> Tends to be how it goes with these sorts of things. And we really hear that theme throughout your book about people who are really inspired to do various things to help support senior dogs, ultimately, who are in need um, from an initial connection with an older dog. And... Um, it's really beautiful. The, the photography is gorgeous in this book, and the stories are super inspiring. And as I was reading through them, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to try not to just cry throughout the whole interview with you on the show. <laughs> so touching. But so, it is a happy book, absolutely. ultimately, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it is uh, like moved, you know, moving tears, like, uh, like, oh my gosh, it's such a beautiful story, and these dogs, and... and um, so I know that you, um, you know, you, t you tell this right at the beginning of the book that you were really inspired by Lori's photography project of, uh, you know, older dogs, which was inspired by an older dog. And then you two ended up joining forces to put this book together. Are you uh, sort of have, do you have a history of being a dog enthusiast as well? Well, I have two older dogs um, sitting right, uh, actually lying at, at my feet right now as we speak. You might hear them snore during the interview. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have an 11-year-old dog and a 9-year-old dog, <clears throat> and, and they're with me all the time, and I love them so much. And my, my love for these older dogs in my life kind of inspired me to uh, check out Lori's photo project in the first place yeah. back in 2013, and yeah. then I wrote a feature story about Lori, and that mm -hmm. led to this whole book project. Yeah. And what kind of dogs do you have? I have a Labrador Retriever and um, a Rhodesian Ridgeback who's dreaming right now and making funny little noises. I can hear that. <laughs> I can hear it. I love it. It adds a, a great dimension to the dog show when we can actually hear dogs in the background. <laughs> right. She has to dream right now. Yeah, I can hear it. Boop, boop. Um, and, you know, I... Um, so uh, we're going to talk for the first half of the show, and then the second half of the show, I'm actually going to run an interview that I did with Judith Piper uh, back in 2010 um, about, of course, Old Dog Haven, an organization um, near and dear to us here in western Washington. And um, I was listening to the interview, 
as I was getting it ready um, to play for today's show because it's been you know five years since it ran, and um, I and I said, I gosh, you know, I, I was so inspired by the work, of course, and then um, talking about my experience with my first dog, who he lived to be twelve, and so you know, I got him when he was like one, or you know, maybe a little bit younger than that, and then. You know, going through living with a senior dog and then going through, you know, having to say goodbye and all that kind of stuff. It's definitely a sensitive point for me. And I said in the interview, I really want to do something like that in the future. And now we actually have an old dog haven final refuge dog in our home whose name is Lois, who I know Judith also has a dog named Lois, um, who you mentioned in the book. Right. Uh, but man, it is really uh, it's powerful stuff to to really help. I mean, any animal in need, I think, is so inspiring. But you know, there's a certain uniqueness to helping out an old dog, and you know, there's lots of sort of sad stories of where they came from. There is one dog in your book that you talked about. I think it was Sunny, actually, who was dropped at a shelter because she had cancer. Right, and Sunny was 16 years old at the time. This is the dog that uh, photographer Lori Fusaro took home. Yeah. Lori had been volunteering her time at these really uh, crowded Los Angeles County shelters. Mm-hmm. Um, she would go in on the weekends and take really nice photographs of the dogs um, and cats in the shelters, but she was trying to increase their chances of getting adopted yeah. if, if they had nice photos taken. Mm-hmm. And she was noticing week after week she'd go back, and the older ones weren't making it out, and it was really weighing on her and one day she went in and she met Sunny, um, who had been surrendered there, um, be- likely because the owners couldn't handle the veterinary expenses, to be frank. And yeah. um, But it was still so heartbreaking, and this dog was so sad and wouldn't react when Lori tried to photograph her, uh, wouldn't look up, wouldn't accept a treat. And, yeah. and Lori uh, went, went to her car and was so sad and couldn't stop thinking about this dog and finally made a snap decision to go back and adopt Sunny. And then... You know, and she thought that Sunny might live a, a few weeks. You know, she'd keep Sunny comfortable. And once Sunny got out of that shelter and into Lori's home, yep. um, she and her husband Daryl didn't do anything really heroic with as far as veterinary care goes. Mm-hmm. They they kept her comfortable and they you know, took her to the vet and got her some care, but they didn't do major cancer treatments or anything like that. And Sunny thrived and lived with them almost three years. Yeah. And uh, made such a happy little family member, and this is what inspired Lori to try to do more, to use her photography to try to change people's perceptions of older shelter animals and help people to see that this really isn't a sad thing. Taking them in is, is so rewarding. It's one of the most meaningful kinds of adoption mm-hmm. um, people can do, and it's such a nice feeling to know you've given this um, little furry friend who's such a good buddy at that age you know, a place to go. You know, a dog who had run out of options is now safe because of what you did. Yeah. Yep. And he said, Daryl said, uh, she knows you saved her. Right. <laughs> and, right. Um, you could just see how relieved she was to yeah. be there somewhere where she's welcome and yeah. comfortable. And Absolutely. And I love what she said because she was like, am I crazy to be doing this? And she's <laughs> trying to, you know, reach out to friends. No one's available. She couldn't reach her husband. But that she remembered what Daryl had said um, in general that spontaneity neutralizes fear, amplifies intuition, and lifts us beyond our limitations. And I really loved, I loved that. And uh, I think it's so true. And she was like, okay, I'm getting this girl out of here. Exactly. I know. And it wound up being the best thing they ever did. They both say this to this day. And and to see how happy Sunny 
was, you know, when I spent time in their home with them in, in L.A., you could just see she was so content and so, uh, like I said, relieved. You know, the dogs do, you know, feel emotions and they can read the room and they know when they're welcome and they know when they're wanted. And it's, uh, and they adapt really well. We we should all be more like them. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's one of the things that people really um, are are energized by in witnessing these dogs is really how incredibly adaptable they are and how they respond. I mean, the healing part of your, one of the main parts of the book is really focused on, you know, healing and, and to see how these dogs can, can really turn around. And I think that, um, the, of course the care, you know, the veterinary care, the proper nutrition, you know, that, that stuff is a huge piece of the puzzle um, I just recently interviewed Bernie Siegel, and he was talking about, for humans, um, how important it is for us to, you know, in the context of healing, to feel love and to be touched and, you know, to sort of have those needs met. And I think that that's part of what these dogs, what really helps them to rebound out of these situations. And sometimes they're really depressed. They're not just sick, but they're emotionally really heartbroken. That's it, and that's what um, Sunny overcame once she was somewhere safe. And then, you know, as as you've seen in the book, there are stories of people who healed because they had that yeah. contact with a with a dog who kept them company and helped them through a transition in life. There, there's a 75 year old widow in the book who lost her husband very suddenly mm-hmm. and unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, he just he was fine. He went for a walk one day and collapsed, and it was very very sudden, and she could not pull herself out of depression and anxiety after she lost him. And then she wound up taking in a dog through a wonderful Seniors for Seniors program in the San Francisco Bay Area that mm. is offered by Muttville Senior Dog Rescue. And that dog, it, now not saying that taking in the dog made all of her problems magically disappear and she was suddenly instantly better. No. However, that was a turning point for her because she had been staying in her home. She wasn't getting out much. She wasn't taking very good care of herself. Her grown children didn't live near her. They were really worried about her. But then once she had this little dog to care for, she started to get out. She walked the dog. That helped her to push herself to go, get fixed up and go for walks around her neighborhood. And then the dog was a little people magnet, and she started connecting with people in her neighborhood, made mm-hmm. friends. And as the story goes on, it turns out to be one of the happiest stories imaginable. That She has a whole new life now where she's taking line dancing lessons and oh volunteering at a women's yeah. jail and wow. you know seeing a personal trainer once a week and all of these things um happened the turning point was having that dog and having that companionship and having someone to care for gave her real mm-hmm. meaning yeah well something that's so interesting about dogs and people and I talk about this all the time my expertise is in dog training and behavior and that's the work that I do here in the Seattle area outside of the radio show and the are how we are so socially compatible and um really need need a family and uh you know that's whatever that is if if your family is another dog or whatever and i can just imagine you know this woman who suddenly lost her spouse of many years and she, the the loneliness you know not just the grief but then just sort of being alone and then having another warm body in the house somebody to talk to and cuddle with and you know dogs are just so amazing in that way and they are such good friends and when they're a little bit older you know and again the, the dogs in the book 
are age seven and up. Yep. Um, so, so Sunny was very old. The dog Lori took in at 16. That's yeah. definitely a much older dog. But, you know, dogs in that, that we might consider middle-aged are technically still considered seniors by veterinarians. Right. Um, they're considered seniors at age six if they're large breed dogs and age seven if they're small breed dogs. And anyone who's had a dog knows you, those dogs in that age bracket have many, many more years of adventure mm-hmm. ahead of them, and they tend to fit into people's lifestyles much more easily because they're, puppies are great and wonderful and adorable and fun, of course. Look how cute they are, but they are a tremendous amount of work. A lot it's kind of, of like work. having a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and when you take in an older dog, it, for people with busy lifestyles, uh, and or, you know, someone like the the 75-year-old widow I mentioned, it was a, like a matching of energy levels, less rambunctious mm-hmm. than a puppy. Uh, that dog was such a perfect fit for her. And, and usually when they're a little bit older, they're really focused on you and they want to be with you. You know, it's not about uh, yeah. playing all the time and running and, right. you know, property destruction. <laughs> yeah. Me, 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 me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the families, too, another local family that you and dog who you highlight in the book, and again, the title of the book is called My Old Dog, Rescued Pets with Remarkable Second Acts. It's a really beautiful book, really wonderful stories, and a great collection of photographs of all these dogs that are uh, featured. Um, Jeannie and Bruce Nordstrom, who, um, you know, have a, a soft spot in their heart and home for helping dogs in need and uh, their dog Casey, who who you took, who you sort of profile here, and that uh, you say that Bruce and Jeannie have done a lot for animals, uh, but to the Nordstroms, it's always gone both ways. They said they'll never forget the animals who helped them through some of the most challenging chapters of their lives, and I think that that a lot of people can really relate to that. It's like you know that sticker that you see, who rescued who, right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Really? And, and the Nordstroms are an unbelievable example, and it was so wonderful to have them, you know, open up and participate in this book. They're mm-hmm. they're very they don't call a lot of attention to themselves for what they do, but what they do in the in the realm of animal rescue and animal welfare is so hands on and so epic um, that in addition to um, help, they routinely take in senior shelter dogs and make sure that they're helping the seniors. And this is something they've done for a long time. Mm. Um, but they also foster kittens for perfect pals in Arlington. Mm-hmm. They, they've had more than 1,000 kittens go through their home. They, they uh, turn some property that they have into a farm for rescued farm animals. <laughs> yeah. And it's just unbelievable how wow. much they do for animals and how much they care. Um, and what, what incredible meaning that has given them. You know, they, they decided to do this in a very hands-on way themselves, and it's made their lives so much better, mm-hmm. as it can for anyone. Um, just taking in one shelter dog or cat you know it's it's a very rewarding thing to do because again it's that nice feeling of knowing you've given them um a safe place to go where they they really don't have anything to be afraid of yeah yeah i remember when we picked up lois uh she was at the seattle animal shelter in kent and uh, we had gotten i saw her picture through an old dog haven post on um social media and i've you know seen so many of them and so many times i'm like oh you know, just, you know, oh, <laughs> but I, there was something about this, about Lois. And I just was like, I, I, we should get this, go get this dog. And, and, uh, you know, we already have a full pack, so we, we weren't sort of in need of another dog, but there was just something about her. And we went, contacted Judith, went to old dog Haven, uh, sorry, went to the shelter 
walked her out of there, and she she came out. She was like 20 pounds overweight for a dog who should weigh about, well, she was probably 25 pounds overweight, so her goal weight's about 45 pounds. And so, you know, very, very overweight. It was impacting her, her ability to breathe. And she, she walked out, and she took a few steps out of the shelter, and then she stopped and froze. And we just sort of stopped and backed up and walked walked back to her and knelt down and just talked to her and told her that she was safe and that she was you know, we were going to take care of her. She was going to a safe, all that. You know, I don't remember what exactly we said, but it was just like, you know what, you're okay. And And she, you know, took a minute and then okay and then walked with us, jumped in the car and you know never looked back and she's she was um we were told that she was probably like a hospice dog a dog that probably didn't have much longer and she's been with us for a year and a half now wow yeah and so like funny yeah and and this is the thing they can surprise you and uh they can last a lot longer than people might initially think yeah (laughs) even judith and lee piper's dogs you know hanging out at their house in arlington those dogs are once they get the care that they need and you know sometimes it's dental work it's kind of a common thing for older shelter animals they might yeah. need that but they then they're comfortable again i mean can you imagine walking around with a toothache for two or three no. years and no it, it once they get just some some things that are relatively simple yeah. taken care of they rebound and they do great for sometimes years yeah <laughs> and, and they were you know running around playful having fun they um uh, the pipers have play, uh, pasture playtime every day the dogs yeah. are tearing around that field you, <laughs> I, i'm thinking these are senior dogs and yeah it's really, really funny. And and then with programs like, I mean, such a treasure that we do have here. I know you'll be doing more on Old Dog Haven here in a minute, but yeah. that is um, such a wonderful um, arrangement that Old Dog Haven has launched because if people are willing to open up their homes to these dogs who need a place to go, as you've done, and I have my foster application in, too, for the oh. forever, for the final refuge foster right. dogs, too. So um, if you're willing to do that and just provide a nice, safe place for the dog to go, then yeah. they cover the veterinary I know it. Um, bills for the rest of the dog's life. Mm-hmm. So that takes away one of the big concerns that people may have about yep. taking in an older shelter animal. Yeah. Um, it, it's just a wonderful and generous and great thing that they're able to do because they have good donors who help support that. Mm-hmm. And um, we found that around the country, there are all these innovative programs that exist that literally were not around about a decade ago, um, but all these really great ways to get older um, animals out of shelters and into homes. And uh, like the Seniors for Seniors program I mentioned, there Mm -hmm. are are some of those programs all over the country. Um, I love that idea. And they're really good ideas, like smart, smart ideas. So Mm -hmm. that was one of the reasons I wanted to put in a um, really extensive resource guide in the back of the book Mm -hmm. to let people know how they can tap into this because it's way, it's much easier than it would have been even just a few years ago. Yeah. And a lot of these organizations are smaller, so I like how you organize it sort of by state because there's a lot of these types that are, uh, that are spe- you know, sort of uh, location-specific. They're not national necessarily, national organizations. So wherever you are, you can look and see what's going on near you, and if there isn't anything, then you can start something. One of the cool things about Old Dog Haven, you know, not just the idea of what they do, but I have been... Uh, bef- even before we took in an old dog haven dog, but then now, especially since I've been working directly with Judith on Lois's health and all that, that I mean, they run that they run a tight ship. It is very as part of what's so inspiring about that organization is how what a beautiful they 
job they do running it. It's really right. great. Yeah. And it's it's a lot of work, yes. um, but they do such a good job, and all the donations they receive are going to senior dogs yes. and their veterinary care, yeah. and making sure that they get what they need, and then they're comfortable, and then they do, then they're happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's so exciting to see yeah. you know these dogs thriving the way they do. Yeah, Lois, uh, one of our p- partners is the Natural Pet Pantry, which is a local food company that makes raw and cooked food for dogs and cats, and. Lois got totally hooked up. They've been uh, providing, um, donating her food uh, since we got her, um, you know, starting for the weight loss. And that just was, has been huge in her rebound. And she, I feel like she got to us, lost the weight, is eating this great home cooked food and, you know, with our loving pack. And she's like, hey, this is actually pretty sweet. I'm not going <laughs> to go anywhere for a while. <laughs> so there's a dog that, um, it was funny. This, this, there were a few Susies. There's one Susie in the book that's actually an old dog, Haven dog, one of Judith and Lee's dogs. Uh, there's another Susie, and I saw the picture of this dog, and I was like, "That's one of the cutest dogs I've ever seen in my life." <laughs> and you know which one I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Brandon yeah, amazing. Brandon Stanton and his girlfriend Erin O'Sullivan. Uh, Brandon adopted this. Uh, older dog turned from a man who couldn't take care of her anymore and she's this little terrier mix that has like the the wispy hair on the top of her head that makes her look like she has a mohawk right oh my gosh and so then Susie inspired Aaron to start a Facebook page Susie's Senior Dogs which connects people with older dogs for adoption and that's another yet another example of somebody really kind of being touched by this connection and then being expi- inspired to help others. Um, I love the story of the three sisters from the convent. Right. Who <clears throat> had had to sort of recently say goodbye to the dog that they had and then walked into a shelter and said, Get up, give us the dog nobody wants. <laughs> exactly. And that led them to this wonderful dog named Remy, mm-hmm. who was nine and who had been, you know, kind of languishing there at the shelter for months. Yeah. Nobody wanted this dog. Yeah. And um, and then we, Lori and I got to meet Remy at her home in Nyack, New York. And that dog is so happy and has this big, beautiful yard to bound around in and uh, is just doing great. And it was um, the, the shelter director joked that it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> when these three nuns took in this dog, yeah. and it really was. Literally. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, there is a really sweet part of that where they went in. And you can just picture it, right? You know, they're in, they're all in their 70s and they walk into the shelter and they're like, you know, uh, no pun intended, like hell bent on getting a dog, yes. that, you know, <laughs> and um, and so they, you know, give us a dog nobody wants. And so then they bring in this dog and and there was one part where I think it was Sister Virginia, maybe. Uh, but the dog just sort of put her head um, on her chest and just sort of like relax, like sunk into her. And I think she said she felt like she she knew that she was home or something like that. And you just get these connections. I mean, you really wonder, like, there is there something like divine about how these people and dogs ultimately get put together? Because it's pretty profound for both dog and human. That, and that's it. That's the thing that came through that made me so happy about these stories is, um, you know, you mentioned Brandon Stanton earlier. He's the um, the creator of Humans of New York. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a really famous, well-known uh, blog and book now. Yeah. And he met Susie doing his rounds, walking around taking photographs for his Humans of New York blog. And he was, in his, he was maybe 25 at the time. 
so he, he might be one of the younger people in the book, and then the, the one of the oldest nuns in that story is like in her late 80s. So you have this demographic ranging from you know early mid 20s to late 80s, yeah. and, and, and and all different walks of life, all different income levels. You know, some celebrities, some people just you know all over the country too, different geographic areas, and yeah. um, no matter where they are in their lives, when they meet that dog. The, you know this perfect little special friend who's just so focused on them and tuned into them and and uh, needs a nice place to go. Um, they take in this dog and they do this kind thing, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily expecting anything maybe huge or dr- that dramatic in return. Mm-hmm. And what they get in return is so uh, epic. I know. <laughs> you know, it makes their lives exponentially better, and you yeah. see them feeling either experiencing some for, you know, kind of real you know healing themselves, yeah. being able to cope, being able to deal with. Um, challenging situations or just having so much more fun and comedy mm-hmm. um, in their lives. And it, it, it's just everything about it is um, positive. <laughs> and, and it makes you so happy yeah. to see that everyone wound up in, in such a, such great situations. Yeah, it really is. Um, when, so we're going to, I'm going to let you know about this when it happens, but sometime in the probably first quarter of next year, I'm going to be putting together a fundraiser for Old Dog Haven here locally. There's a woman who teaches people or a bunch of people will gather at like a bar or something and, and um, you know, have some wine. And then this woman will teach people how to paint a, a picture of a photograph that, that they bring in and it can be of anything. And uh, we're going to do one where people bring in photographs of do- of a dog and then they can actually paint you know, there's some process that I'm not aware of that where you can learn how to sort of she t- she'll teach you kind of go through how to paint this uh, picture of the photograph. And um, and so we'll do that to raise some money for Old Dog Haven. It'll be a really fun night. One of the things about um, just to kind of so I'm going to air uh, an interview after we say goodbye here in just a minute uh, that I did back in 2010 with Judith Piper, who's one of the founders of Old Dog Haven here locally. And uh, one of the things that you said in your book that I really loved this quote from Judith, um, she really acknowledges that a dog's final days are always, always difficult to witness. But all creatures die, she said. The question is, are they going to die happy with you or are they going to die alone and scared in a shelter? To me, having them die happily with you is a wonderful thing. Um you know, and I, I often say when, when someone in our life, and there are many who, who lose a dog and, and are grief-stricken, I acknowledge how happy and grateful I am about how loved and taken care of their dog was and what a great life that their dog led with them that they are so sad that they've lost them because a lot of dogs don't get to experience that. And I just think that it's really something to celebrate when a dog is so loved. That um, is very, very true. And, yeah. you know, I learned a lot from speaking with Judith as well. Um, mm-hmm. She really helped put things in perspective for me mm-hmm. and, and helped me to see that when you do, when you have a dog with you for, for 15 years, you know, you get a dog as a puppy and you have the dog for the, its entire lifetime and you lose that dog, that, that's, a, that's a very difficult loss, mm-hmm. of course, because that dog is woven into a whole phase of your own life. Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult to experience a loss like that. Taking in it, it, and it's also going to be hard to lose a dog that you've only had for a few years, for sure. But you're going into that situation knowing um, that you're doing this for the dog, and you're focused on them. Yeah. It's, you're you're going in with 
a whole different um, mindset right out of the gate. And we always want our dogs to live longer. Um, but when, when we do take the step and go out of our way to, you know, help an older dog who's run out of options, mm-hmm. that, but then we get so much in return. You, it, it gives us, you know, affection, gratitude, unconditional love, yeah. all these happy memories. And um, just knowing that we did something so important because otherwise, yeah. that, like just like Judith said, yep. that dog would have died alone in a shelter scared, not knowing why they're there. It's very disorienting and not a happy place to be. Yeah. So we're out of time. I'm so sorry to cut you off, but uh, we've got to get to break. And I just want to give out the name of the book, Laura. It's a beautiful book. Thank you to you and Lori for putting it together. It's called My Old Dog, Rescued Pets with Remarkable Second Acts. Great holiday gift idea, Laura. Thanks so much for your time today. And we'll be back with Judith Piper in just a few minutes. My dog will always come through. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Next week on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Gift ideas for the creative in your life. Plus, Brian Bailey, a.k.a. The Wolf Whisperer, and the latest best-selling fantastic bathroom reader full of odd news, weird facts, quirky quotes, and head-scratching oddities. An ideal gift from Uncle John for Uncle John. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific time here on Alternative Talk 1150. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice, jetcityanimalclinic.com. This is Alternative Talk, 1150. Got it? Cool. Welcome back to The Dog Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes, and we are back with Judith Piper, founder of Old Dog Haven. Welcome back, Judith. Thank you. So, Old Dog Haven is a network of over 140 homes in western Washington that takes in senior dogs to give them a final place to live live out the rest of their life surrounded by love. And sometimes that is uh, years, sometimes it's months, and sometimes it's even days, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. What a wonderful organization. And something uh, we were just talking about, um, well, the word betrayal um, is a word that comes to my mind when I have seen 
old dogs in a shelter and the times that I've been at a shelter for one reason or the other. And you had said something in the last segment about the dogs not being able to get over it. And something that, you know, in my work with training and behavior, it's what I do as my full-time job when I'm not on the air once a week, working with dogs mostly in Seattle, east side, greater Seattle area with training and behavior. And, you know, transition is hard for dogs. It's hard for people. It's hard for dogs. I mean, I've worked with lots of people who have just adopted a dog or rescued a dog from one situation or the next, and it's traumatic. And it takes dogs some time to adjust, as it does people. And I'm curious about, well, what you said specifically, but then to just talk more about that in general, about how you said the dogs sometimes don't get over the betrayal. You know, most of them do. Yeah. It's the few of them that don't, and they break your heart because mm. it it's, I don't, I think particularly as they're older, if they really can't come out of it, it's very difficult. Most of them do adjust, and I'm astounded at how some of these dogs, who are very old, some of them, adjust so much more rapidly than we would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they move a couple of times. You know, we do we do a reasonable amount of adoptions, and so the dog would come from the shelter or from their home into a foster home, and then we keep them usually one to four months, get their health back to too good, you know, get all, do all the deferred maintenance and get them trying to stabilize emotionally and let them understand that change can be good and a new home is okay for dogs. Mm -hmm. And usually that generalizes pretty well to the next home. Mm -hmm. But some of them, you know, they're, they're used to living a certain way, particularly those that I think that have lived with elderly people and been a one-on-one situation, not much else going on full-time companionship and having a job to take care of that person, those dogs have a rough time. Mm. And particularly if they come into one of our homes, a number of us have really quite a a full house of dogs. Mm -hmm. They can come in and you see their eyes get bigger and say, oh my goodness, what happened to me? Mm. You know, what happened to my life? Mm. And, And those are kind of tricky to find, to help them adjust to another way of living. And if we can find them another job, it's great. If we can't, I you know I often feel like we haven't done them as much of a favor as we would like. Mm. Um, sometimes you know I'm a real believer that sometimes it's not fair to pass the dog off at the very end of their lives because all they they it just is too hard to adjust. They feel the betrayal and they would be better off not not moving. It would be better to let them go at that point. But mm. most dogs do adjust, mm-hmm. and it's amazing how well they accept a heart that's open to them and that's a, a you know a kind of a, a schmaltzy thing to say but I, I honestly believe that's it mm-hmm. well and two I mean if a dog was with an elderly person who passed away I mean you got to think that I know that dogs experience grief oh yes my dogs did when Chewy died I yep. mean they were depressed my dachshund cried on the way home from the vet we brought them with us so to not only be displaced and abandoned and, and all that stuff, but that they know that their owner's dead. Yep. And they have to go through their grieving process, too. So they've got that on top of everything as oh, a yes. stressor. Oh, yes. It, I don't know, it's just a huge amount of loss. Mm. And it's, you know, 
old folks don't take change well, and that's the case with dogs too. Mm. Just as I said, you know, better than than humans for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's no, it's a lot of loss. Their their home, their person, and their job, all at once. Yeah. Do you? And it sounds like you you see dogs of all different types of breeds and. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, do you see more larger dogs than smaller dogs, or not, not necessarily? Not anymore. Yeah. We, yes, we did from for from the beginning. Um, we would have not very many small dogs. This last nine to nine months or so, we have been getting almost entirely small dogs, hmm. which horrifies me. I don't understand why that is. Mm. Um, I'm not sure whether maybe oftentimes they're more expensive to maintain because you got to keep up the groomer and so many of them have things, you know, eye problems, ear problems, things mm. that take a lot of expense. Maybe that's part of it. But no, we're we're just overrun. I keep saying, well, some particular breed must be on special, you know, these days because we are called about them all the time. But we're, Shih Tzus seem to be, Schnauzers, um, Chihuahuas, all those breeds, we're just having many, many of them. Hmm. Makes me sad. Mm-hmm. So how do you? So you've got this these you know many 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 foster homes in Western Washington. How does the organization work as far as do the people who take in the dogs? You know, with the thing with older dogs, and probably a lot of the reason why they get displaced or abandoned in like as you said in this economy is the expense of caring for an older dog is generally higher than a young dog so uh and i i think i read that old dog haven covers all the vet bills yes so all the dogs that are in our either our foster program which are dogs that we think will be adoptable or our final refuge which are permanent fosters mm-hmm. we cover all the veterinary expenses all their medication um, prescription diets, if those are needed, um, supplements, if they are veterinary supplements, all that kind of thing. The mm-hmm. foster parent feeds the dog, mm-hmm. um, unless it's a prescription diet, which is much more expensive, and they do the work. They take the dogs back and forth, and it's one of the things that makes it, you know, not everyone can can do the foster job. You need to have time to get the dogs back and forth to the vet quite a good deal when they come. Mm-hmm. Um we find that there is a great deal of deferred maintenance on most of these dogs. The small dogs even worse, I think. And it often takes us at least a month, sometimes more, to get everything done. They all need a dental. They all need mm. a lot of blood work and seeing the eye specialist mm. and mm-hmm. all the kinds of things. So it it's really quite expensive in the beginning. Yeah. Um, our vet bills last year averaged about 27000 a month. Wow. And where do you get, do you do this all through private donation? Or? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, we've occasionally had small grants from foundations, but it's all it's all donors and lots of donors, many very loyal who keep at it um, with small amounts frequently. Yeah. Um, we do have matching funds from Microsoft and other places that, that do that, which is a great thing. Mm. Wow. That's, a, that's amazing that... Uh, that you cover the vet expenses, and oh, it, it has is. To be. I mean, that's really the whole point of what we're doing is that we know that that's why people say, "Oh, I can't take on a dog that age." You know, it's going to cost a lot, and it might. Mm-hmm. It might not. Some of them don't, but a lot of them do. And that our whole thought was that if we can take that worry away, mm-hmm. that more people would be willing to take these dogs in. Mm-hmm. 
Now, have you ever had a situation where where you've somebody's contacted you and said, you know, my heart is broken, I've lost my job, I can't, you know, afford, and that they've kept the dog and you've covered the vet bills, or do they? Is it always once the dog has been uh, released to Old Dog Haven? You know, it's interesting. We don't get that huh. very often at all. We are generally when people have run out of finances enough, they simply want to give up the dog. Every once in a while, there is a major medical expense that we can help someone with um, a particular surgery. We actually have paid for a number of euthanasias this last year Mm. um, when people couldn't even afford to do that. But mostly, that's out of what what we can do because we have so many dogs ourselves. We have, you know, we're we're around 200 dogs all the time right now. Mm -hmm. But in addition, we're just not asked very often. Mostly people get as far as they can, and then they just want to give the dog up and walk away. Mm. The website is olddoghaven.org, so you can go and check out the organization and the website and find out uh, ways that you can get involved and help support, whether it be uh, you may be interested in fostering an animal, uh, either short-term or as a final home, um, or, you know, as always, uh, money, whatever you can give, a uh, small or large donation, always always a help, olddoghaven.org. Um, now, I think they saw a wish, a wish list as well. So what are some things uh, in addition to money and foster homes? What are other ways people might be able to help? Um, we have... We can use some supplies. We have there, there's a list on our our wish list page of dog food, things like Nature's Miracle, Advantage or Frontline, joint supplements, coat supplements, that kind of thing that we can always use. A bit of our problem is that we are so decentralized. It's hard for someone, for us to take a all kinds of food and then spread them out right. between. Arlington and you know Port Orchard or wherever it right. might be. So it's a little harder for us to accept that thing. We love gift cards from pet stores. That mm-hmm. helps a lot because yep. I can send them off to the various fosters. Yep. Um, we have some need for volunteers. Again, because we're so spread out, that's a tougher thing. But we have people who write thank you notes. Um, we occasionally have fosters that can use some help with walking dogs. Not very often, but occasionally. Mm-hmm. We have a volunteer flyer that you could contact us for if you wanted to do that. Spreading the word is a very good thing. We have a print newsletter and also an e-newsletter if you want to. to you can look it up on the website and see how to contact us. Um, we're happy to send that to you, and maybe you can pass it along. Um, we have donation cans that if you had a favorite pet store or, or veterinary clinic, you'd like to put one out and monitor it, we could do that. Mm. Um, if we love it if people have little fundraisers for us. We've had a number of people do that and at their business or their club or whatever, and it's worked out really great. Mm. Um, but that's the kind of thing we do, and we always hope that you'll think of an old dog if you want to adopt or if mm-hmm. you have a friend who is looking for a dog and might be convinced to consider an older dog. The ones that we put up for adoption are generally 8 to maybe 11, mm-hmm. and we're... We have done a lot of vet work with our dogs, so we pretty much know what their current health is 
Yeah. You can't predict what will happen, but that's sure. also the case within a younger dog. Right. But at least right now, we think they're in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also, our website has a lot of dogs that we have posted either for owners who need to rehome their dogs and have a little bit of time mm-hmm. to find the right home mm-hmm. or for other shelters and rescues. Mm-hmm. So there's, a, you, know, you can pass the word about all of those. I find word of mouth just helps tremendously. Yeah. I mean, just tremendously. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with Judith Piper, founder of Old Dog Haven, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Bobby wants a puppy dog for Christmas And I know you plan to bring an electric train But Bobby... The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Anti-Icky Poo, the product that gets the stink out, we cover the world of animals. This week, December 20th, it's Harmonic and Energy Shifting Sunday with Jude and Paul Ponton from Whispering Dragon in Seattle. They'll be in the studio with their Accutonic forks, Tibetan bowls and bells, Pua, Didge, and Rattles, ready to do remote sessions for you, your animal friends, your home or business. Open phone lines throughout the show, so call in early. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative. Talk AM 1150. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's Dog Behavior. Behavior Training and Nutrition Specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. Open your ears, open your heart, open your mind. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Bobby wants a puppy dog for Christmas. And that's the only song we hear him sing. Okay, and we are back with Judith Piper, founder of Old Dog Haven. Welcome back, Judith. Now, you said uh, we were just talking about how people can help and how people can contribute. Um, and there's uh, financial donations, gift cards to pet supply stores. Um, like you said, it can be hard if somebody donates a 40-pound bag of food and you get it and someone on Bainbridge Island needs it. It can be hard to transport <laughs> So gift cards seem to be the preference or money um, that you can use to whatever to help contribute to the vet bills. As you said, uh, you average about $27,000 a month in vet bills. We do. Yeah. And you said, too, you have 20 dogs currently on your waiting list. Yes. It changes every day. And that's dogs that are on a waiting list for a foster home? Yes. Okay. So a great way to make a difference uh, if you've got the space and the heart um, 
is to open your house to an old dog through Old Dog Haven and uh, provide a dog with a final resting place for however long that may be. And something you had said earlier, Judith, that I really, really resonated for me, and that was a really uh, important part of my decision when I found out that my dog had tumors and was bleeding into his abdomen, and I was sort of faced with this such a hard decision of do I, you know, and most of the vets were like, okay, well, here's what we can do that, you know, chemo and surgery and, and all this stuff. And I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know that, you know, and the odds were so like, you know, so slim that it would even make a difference. And there was such a huge risk that he would die on the operating table and all that stuff. And how uh, one of the main things that drove my decision was to prevent him from suffering. That was the first one but that I wanted him to die in my arms. And that was so important to me that he went surrounded by love. Sorry, it was just almost a year ago. (laughs) So that is, you know, when you said that, to give that to a dog, to have them in a safe, warm space with that energy around them as they pass on to wherever they go, so, so important. And I can... As as emotional as it is, I can definitely see myself doing that in the future. Um, in you know, I think in this culture too, we're so uncomfortable with death. And what you said earlier, I think that's probably why a lot of dogs, as they get older, end up getting given away because people can't deal. Yeah. Emotionally. I, yeah, I think that's very true, and it's a shame. It it really, you know, death is part of life. I, I had a dog that, you know, we, got, we had for a week, took him in for euthanasia, and the very caring vet said, you know, this is the circle of life. This is what happens. And I think we forget that. Yeah. We are afraid of death. The animals aren't. I, and I see being with them as the way you keep them from being afraid. They pick up your fear. Yeah. They are afraid of being alone in a scary place. Yep. They're not afraid if you're with them and you're calm. Yeah. And and it makes a huge difference, just a huge difference. We have pretty strong feelings, you know, my husband and I and those of us that are most involved in running this about what we should, you know, what the right time to say goodbye is. And it's definitely a personal thing. Everyone has different approaches to it. But I think we have to think of it from the dog's point of view instead of ours. Yeah. And many times people can't bear to give up something they love. Yeah. And if you've had the dog for its entire life, your whole life is so wound up with it, all the memories, all the things that you've been through together, that it makes it very hard, I know. Yeah. No one wants to lose something they love, but it, we have it in our power to keep our dogs from suffering just because we can't let them go. Right. And I I think that's really important. I I do a lot of counseling people, you know, that just know about us and call up or send emails and I I hate to sound like everybody should go run right now and put their dog to sleep. But if you know that it's time, if you know the dog has come to the end of its life and it's not comfortable, he's not happy then I think it is your responsibility to let them leave the world gracefully and to be with them. Whether you believe it should be natural or you're going to have the veterinarian do it, you should be with them. 
It's mm-hmm. just as much a betrayal to walk away from them at that point as to take them to the shelter and walk away from them. Mm-hmm. So I feel that really strongly. Yeah, and it's hard, too, because uh, with, and this is true in the human, with humans as well, but, you know, what I got as a response, and it's just how people are trained, but it's like, okay, you know, what can we do to prevent death? And it's like, He's old, and he's got tumors. I mean, he's... and but that's my, what the vet is trained to do. Right. That's their job is to keep the dog alive as long as possible. Our job is to look out for the dog's best interest overall. Yeah. And emotional well-being is just as important as physical well-being, to my, to my way of thinking. Yeah. And I, I don't want... When, when I'm dealing with an old dog, and it's different. If your dog were two years old, you might look at it completely differently and say, well, you have a long life ahead sure. of him if I can get him through this. Yep. But an old dog is so much less able to to even recover from a surgery that's successful right? or to fight off infection, just as old humans are. You know, That's why people die of pneumonia at the end of their lives. Mm-hmm. You aren't strong enough any longer to fight it off. Mm-hmm. And it, if you... You know, your job is to make the end of the dog's life pleasant. <laughs> I don't think it's pleasant to be to spend the end of their life in a vet clinic with strangers hooked yeah. up to things. Yeah. But that you know, everyone makes their own decision about that. But I don't think you need to accept the the vet's just, um, offers of well, we can do this and this and this. That's your job is to decide what's the best thing for your dog. Yeah. And uh, somebody said something to me when I was going through this that made a, a, a big difference for me, too, because it's hard. Uh, you know, you don't know up from down. And I just tried to listen to my gut and keep, you know, Chewy's needs ahead of mine, clearly. But somebody said to me, nobody knows him better than you. Yes. And nobody knows what he needs. So trust yourself. And and he and I knew that he needed me to to be confident and I needed I wanted him to know it was okay to go. And that's part of why I wanted to put him down and to show him somehow energetically or, you know, whatever, that it was okay to go so that he was free after he left his body. That's really true, I think. They hang on a very long time if you don't want them to go. Mm-hmm. You have to give them permission one way or the other, yep. I think. Yep. They'll be a good dog to the very end and try to do what you want. Yeah. Well, we can talk more about this um, off-air too, Judith, but um, I know that one thing that I can offer would be any... if Because the transition, I know I've worked with this a, a lot, where dogs go through transition can have behavioral trouble, and yes. it's just a matter of getting them through that and getting them stabilized. Um, but if it's needed, I would be happy to offer my services in that respect Wonderful. at no charge. And I can do phone consultations because I know that you're so spread out. Wonderful. Um, but I'd be happy to do that. I think that this is uh, just obviously so near and dear to my heart, so needed. And it's just tied in with the rest of the mess of overpopulation and another glaring reason why there should not be Things like puppy mills, mass-producing pets, when we have dogs of all ages that are getting euthanized every day in shelters. Absolutely. It is not acceptable, and we have got to stop it. Yeah. Oh, believe me. Yeah. Believe me. We did uh, a lot of work with the puppy mill raids that were January of 2009, and oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. No, it's absolutely the in the end spay neuter is the only way that this is all going to yeah. change. Well, Judith, unbelievably, we're out of time. Uh, This just has flown by for me, and it's been so great to have you on the show. Thank you for what you do. And I will also be thinking as far as fundraisers and all that type of stuff. And please, listeners, if you can help and contribute in some way, olddoghaven.org. It's just such a wonderful organization. Thank you so much for the work that you do, Judith, and I will be in touch. Thank you so much for your interest. Okay. Nice to talk to you. All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. We'll be back next Wednesday, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes.